Geekville Radio. You may have fallen in love with Clark Kent, but you married Superman. Hello once again, Geeks and Geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, with a special edition of Geekville Radio. We were going to do this a couple days back, but schedules didn't work out. This episode is going to be dedicated entirely to the new CW series, Superman and Lois, which debuted last week to very good ratings. I, I believe it was the highest rating for CW in something like three or four years. And thankfully, the show has already been renewed for a second season after only one episode airing. And we're going to talk about this, and I do say we. We have a special guest here. He's been on the show before. It's been a while since he's been on, uh, too long, quite frankly. Mr. David McKinney from South Atlanta Wrestling. David, how are you? Man, I cannot complain. Life's busy right now, work and all the stuff everybody's dealing with. But life's good, man. Can't complain. Fired up about this new Superman show. Yeah, I, I've been telling friends. I, I've probably said it on the air at some point, but Superman is probably my second favorite hero next to Captain America. Mm. Uh, but... In junior high school, I, th- I think I may have been like the opposite of some kids growing up because it seems like when you're a little kid, you like the goody two-shoe stuff and then you kind of go dark as you get older. But when I was in junior high and into my teens, I was all about Punisher and Wolverine and all the anti-heroes. And then as I grew up, I kind of got more into the lawful good characters like Captain America and Superman. I don't know if that was that was like you at all or... Yeah, man, I, I think I was similar. Like, I was a Superman kid. Like, I remember having an album that had, like, Superman record, vinyl. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and some sort of Superman-like album like that. Uh, there's a picture I just shared the other day. There's a picture of me dressed up for uh, Halloween and like, I would guess, 85, 86, when I was, like, seven or eight years old, wearing a Superman costume. And then the cool thing about it was I dug up then a picture of my son wearing a Superman costume as well. He's he's almost 14 now, so when he was a little guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always liked Superman. And I'm with you. Like It's funny because like if you ask me who my favorite comic book heroes are, I'd probably go Superman and Punisher without mm-hmm. thinking about it too hard. And they couldn't be more opposite, but they appeal right. to me. They both appeal to me in different ways, of course. But I'm with you in the sense that I think... The older I get and the more of this uh, like life I've lived, the more I appreciate the the nobleness of uh, Superman. Like the idea mm-hmm. that – simply the idea that like we always say absolute power corrupts absolutely, but that doesn't happen with him. Right. And so anyways, I, we could save some of this for later, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I do enjoy some of the anti-heroes and the anti-heroes, I'm sorry, and all that. But like for me, Superman is number one. Yeah. Probably always will be. Yeah. And – with all these CW shows, I, I guess I kind of grade them on a curve because there's going to be some differences from the comic, whether people like it or don't like it. I love comics, but I'm also not one of those that's going to object because it doesn't match up with what happened on page 17, panel 4 of issue 163 or something like that. I'm not that much of a purist, and so I know that they take some liberties with this and each of these CW shows, there's been characters that aren't in the comics. Going back to Arrow, you know, with Diggle, and then Flash, the Harrison Wells character, and then Supergirl, I don't think Alex is in the comics. And the biggest deviation here with Superman is that Superman has twin teenage children. But once you get past that, 
the character's still there. I, I honestly think the, the whole idea why they gave him kids is that's the whole thing. He, here, here's a guy who can juggle battleships, but can't make his school kids practice on time or something like that. And, and it, it humanizes Clark. It humanizes Superman. I think that's probably why they did it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And so, like, my thing about it is, and I'm probably even less worried about the source material than, like, you are. Like, somewhere on a, on a if you grade it, like, you may worry about it a little more than I do. I'm not so much. But there are times when I get a little, I start to twitch a little bit when I see something that just I just don't like. And so I got to be honest with you, the idea of, oh, Superman Lois, like, oh, that sounds cool. And they're going to raise twin teenage boys. And I started getting a little antsy about it. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I like that. But by the end of the first episode, I was completely hooked. And I think you hit hit the nail on the head. So so often you hear people talking about telling Superman stories and trying to focus on what he can't do or, or like taking a noble character and making him flawed. Like The best way I could put it was I was talking to a friend of mine on Twitter the other day. We were having a private conversation and i said i think i figured out what i like about superman and lois instead of going with the idea of what if superman was flawed what if superman was a flawed character that he's just like most of us messed up in his own way right instead of doing that they said what if superman had to deal with the same stresses that we do but he does it as a generally and genuinely good person right mm-hmm. and like you said the fact that his superpowers don't really help him parent. They don't help him. So the, the parenting aspect is obviously a big point. And I have two kids, so I can you know relate to that. But like just I think most any adult can relate to the idea of like trying to balance the work and family and responsibilities. There's times when you want nothing more than to do either whatever it is you want to do or spend time with a loved one or whatever, and some other responsibility tears you away from that, right? So like... Obviously, this is like a a super amped up version of that, but I think that's what kind of makes Superman Lois the premise of the show compelling. How does even the most powerful man in the world deal with like the real life strain and stress that we all do, but but not in a way that makes him flawed, but in a way that just makes him relatable, you know? Right, right. Yeah, like I said, it, 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 it humanizes the character. Yeah, uh, you said it in a lot fewer words than I did, and you said it better. But like, he's still an aspirational character, I guess, is the thing that appeals to me. He's still somebody you aspire to be. He's still a shining example that we should run behind. But like, he's got problems too. Like, mm-hmm. he's he's got responsibilities. He's got to try to balance, I guess. Right, and I think we're in agreement that Tyler Hecklin knocks it out of the park, both as Clark and Soups, right? Oh, absolutely. Now, so to, to back up just a little bit, so. I was I was curious about the show and I was a little I was a little apprehensive about the idea of the teenage boys. Well somebody shared that the opening scene clip. I think like the mm-hmm. So I didn't watch it Tuesday. Was it, it airs on Tuesday. I didn't watch it the night it premiered. I recorded it and I watched I did something else. Next day I saw that like 4 minute clip that was like the opening of the show and I was so completely hooked. Just from that first 4 minutes I was like I feel like these folks get Superman. Mm-hmm. Everything from the little homage to Action Comics 1 or telling the kid, thanks, my mom made it before he flies yeah. off. And it's the original suit. <laughs> yeah, and the original suit, which my son loves the original suit, by the way. He's a little disappointed we're not getting more of the original suit, you know. But I kind of I understand that's the, the way they're telling the story. We can't unless they do some flashbacks or whatever. But, like, and to your point about Hecklin being a good Clark, him doing that voiceover – 
I thought like he had a he had a very good like a kindness to him, like a almost like a softness, which sounds strange, but like he just he felt like a good man, just kind of recapping where his life is and what he's dealing with. Like I thought I thought it was very effective. I thought the first four minutes of that first episode were just incredibly effective and setting the stage for what the show is going to be. Yeah, I agree. Uh, literally, the only other thing they could have done, and that's just because it's part part of that Arrowverse, uh, Berlanti, all them, uh, is they could have started out with, my name is Clark Kent. Because that's like how all the other Arrowverse shows start out with the, the character naming himself. But yeah, that, that montage and then that opening scene with the reactor where he freezes the, the lake and then yeah. throws all the... I'm, I'm like, that's as Superman as you can get. Absolutely, and, and as much as I love Man of Steel, so like people might hear us praising this, and since they probably haven't just happened to listen to any of the previous episodes I've been on, where I think we've talked about Superman in at least two other episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the movie Man of Steel. I see that as a coming of age Superman story, and I don't have a problem with the kind of rougher edges they give, showing Clark trying to figure out how to come to grips with the fact that he's a, even though he's a farm boy from Kansas, he's an alien and a you know strange world type thing i have no issue with any of that but like one thing i think that movie lacks to some degree and i don't know where you'd fit it in so i'm not saying it lacks it i shouldn't say it lacks it but is you didn't get to see any kind of that day-to-day superman type stuff right you didn't get to see oh superman's got to go fix this problem before he goes off to fix his next problem it was pretty much clark becoming superman and now he's got to fight zod you know that was it you didn't kind of get that day-to-day like superman helps a kid get a cat out of a tree type uh Thing mm-hmm. which you got a little bit more of, like in the Reeve movies. So it, that so that was something that I appreciated about this show is kind yeah. of seeing that what's Superman's day like type. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And then Elizabeth uh, Tullock, I'm assuming is how you pronounce her her last name. I, I really think she channels a bit of Margot Kidder because some of the mannerisms she has, I think, match up with how Margot Kidder played the character back in the the Christopher Reeve movies. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because I, I wasn't really thinking about Superman and Lois, like the show, when this happened. But we just watched Superman 1 and 2, or Superman the movie and Superman 2. Uh, and now we've got the Donner cut of Superman 2 on Blu-ray, which we didn't have before. So we'll check that out soon as well, as well as 3 and 4, just to be completionists. And, and I agree, she's definitely got that kind of hard edge, and it feels natural. It kind of got that hard edge that Margot Kidder gave her Lois Lane. And someone's, and I wish I could remember who it was so I could shout him out. Somebody said, I think it was my buddy Mike. Mike's a guy I know through wrestling Twitter, lives up in uh, North Georgia, I believe. But he was saying, he goes, he goes, if you can be a Superman or a Clark that I can feel like is on the same team as Christopher Reeve, like that's good enough for me. Like if I feel like those two, if I could feel like Christopher Reeve, Superman and Clark Kent would be friends with your Superman and Clark Kent, you're probably in good standing. And I think that's where Hecklin is. Yeah. And I believe. Lois Lane's father being the general. I, I know that's been in the comics, and I, I think it was also in Smallville as, as well. But in the comics, I don't recall if he actually knows Clark as Superman. But that said, if you want to keep his secret identity secret, telling a general is probably a good way to keep it secret because, you know, an army general is going to know how to keep secrets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And uh, it was kind of good to see that actor, and I'm actually. I'm going to let the audience in on something. I'm looking his name up. I can't think of the actor's name. I believe it's Dylan Walsh. Thank you. Dylan Walsh. He's one of those guys that he's kind of every time he turns up in something, we all have those actors like, oh, it's good to see him. Like, I was glad to see him early in this show. I was like, yeah. oh, I didn't know he was going to be on this. So Yeah, yeah, character uh, actor. Yeah. 
one of those guys are like, all right, well, this will be all right. Glad he's yeah. here. He adds something to the experience, as it were. And I think he's done a pretty good job in that role so now, far, two episodes in. Now, one of the predictions that I'd made, and usually I think I have a pretty good batting average with this stuff, but I've been striking out with my predictions lately, especially with uh, WandaVision, was that I thought this Captain Luthor was going to be Lex Luthor's son because Lex has always been depicted as being a few years older than Superman. So if Supes has teenage children, it would make sense that Lex would have an adult child. But this is clearly a Luther. It might not even be a Lex Luther, but this is clearly a Luther that's from another Earth, another part of the multiverse, I would assume. But I will make this prediction, and that's that I don't think this Luthor is a villain. I think he's going to turn out to be a good guy in the end, when he finally sees that this is not the same Superman from, from his Earth. Do you think that's a fair prediction to make? I think that's a good prediction. I think that thinking of kind of, kind of in uh, – I think of all storytelling and wrestling terms because that's the only time I really think oh, about yeah. storytelling, if it makes sense. I think that's a good way to demonstrate the kind of man that this Superman is. If you have a guy who's bent on destroying him because he has no faith that this Superman can be any different than the Superman who – apparently rain fire down on him and his men if he can come around and say what this guy's the real deal he's on the same side he's a guy that you know fights for what's right and i think that's a pretty cool way to illustrate that so i i like your fantasy booking of this mm-hmm. so i'm gonna sign off on that i'm on your team on this one buddy yeah, yeah. well one of the things i think that perfectly summarizes superman it's, it's actually an inner monologue from batman where he said the thing that, that he admires most about Clark is that he's got the power of a god, but he's the furthest thing from a god you could get. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that quote. I I look that up every time I try to think of it. It's, it's, some, it's something like, it's. I should have pulled it up, but it's something that, if, yeah, it's exactly what you described, but it's something like, it's a funny thing that in some ways Clark's the most human of all of us. Mm-hmm. But then you see him rain fire. That's where I got the phrase, rain fire from the sky. And it's hard to think of him as anything but a god. And then how fortunate we are that the fact that that thought never even occurs to him. And I've always loved that interplay between those two characters. Cause, and again, I wish I knew who I could credit this with. And maybe it was you. I don't know. Someone said a long time ago, and it made me go, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it right there. Bruce Wayne is really Batman. Superman is really Clark Kent. It's like Bruce Wayne's the costume for Batman. Right. And Superman is legitimately, he's not playing Clark Kent. Clark Kent is every bit what makes Superman super, or special, I should say. And that, and of course, the fact that he can pick up tanks and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. He he, he is an alien, but he, he considers Earth his home. He, he, he would like nothing better than to live life as a, as a normal human. I think it's part of the, the modesty of him. Absolutely. And I think they really touch like you can kind of see his him struggling with that. Like he wants to be a he wants to be a great dad, but he's got responsibilities. And something I think people can relate to. We want to do all these things, but we only have so much time, we only have so much energy, and we have we frankly have things that we have to do sometimes. And it's not always the best thing and sacrifices are often made and it's just part of it. And like you said, that just humanizes the character so much more. To me the important thing with this show is it looks like the balance of action and family drama is 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 balanced pretty well. But more importantly than it being balanced well is I find both to be compelling so it's not like i groan when there's a fight scene or groan when they go back from a fight scene to clark talking to the boys or lois like it's like it's all interesting to me and i think that's part of what's going to make this hopefully such a huge success yeah and 
It's a CW show, so naturally you're going to have that teen angst. Jonathan and Jordan are probably each going to have about five different girlfriends through the next two seasons or so. There's, there, there's always kind of that uh, love triangle at some point in, in any CW show. But that's just yeah. one of those things I just kind of smile and nod when it happens because it's a CW show. We know it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And to me, like, it, as unbelievable it is that a man can pick up a truck and float there in front of his family and or seal up a nuclear reactor with his heat vision, the fact that a couple of teenage boys could have multiple girlfriends in high school is, like, mind-blowing to me because that was not my high school experience <laughs> at all. Mine neither. So. <laughs> So it's funny though. I need, I'll send a picture. I'll have to send you a picture. I'm looking at a magnet on my refrigerator right now that I can see. It's got Superman on it. Kind of a example of how important that character is to us. Like he's he's represented on the refrigerator, and you've only got so much space there. So I have to have to send it to you so you can see what it looks like. Now, one of the subtleties that I like about the naming of the children, I, I'm assuming you, you you picked up on it that. Yes. One son is named Jonathan, yep. which of course was after Jonathan Kent, and then the other one is named Jordan after Jorel. So he named his sons after essentially both of his fathers. Yeah, maybe that's part of the reason the general's so salty. By the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 neither of them was named Sam. That's right, and I must admit it cracked me up. I don't know if you're ready to talk about this yet, but when we see uh, Jorel in episode two, mm-hmm. it a it was another example of. I didn't immediately place him, but I was like, I know this guy, and it was he played Captain Rogers on Turn, AMC's Turn, about the spy ring in America during the Revolutionary War. And then when one of the twins, and I don't remember which one refers to him as Hologramps, I think he, mm-hmm. he called him Hologramps instead of Hologram, and that, that I, I don't, I'm a simple man, but that made me giggle. So yeah, I I didn't recognize him at all, but I I, I think he did a good job with the role. I had no problem believing that he was Jor El. Although this is the first time I seem to recall Jorel having facial hair, but that's yeah. minor. That's 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 low on the list of things that would bug me. Well, as as you would know, and the viewers, the listeners haven't seen me, maybe necessarily, but I'm always a fan of good facial hair. So, oh yeah, yeah, you you wear a beard quite well, beard, beard <laughs> uh, and overalls, I, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, beard and overalls, and then like I said, I wear the facial hair so it covers up as much of this mug as possible. So. Yeah, it's kind of a win-win for everybody. But uh, yeah, so holograms made me giggle. It got, got a chuckle out of me. So <laughs> yeah. good, good work there. And I, I don't claim to be somebody with like a writer's mind, but I think I can say that I, I was going to pick up about halfway through the pilot because, of course, the, the one of the subplots was Jonathan became was going to be like the star quarterback in his freshman year, which is something I, that usually doesn't happen until like junior or senior year, and of course, Clark and Lois are concerned that, okay, is he is he got powers? Because if he's got powers, then that's not fair to the rest of the, the kids. Uh, and right about halfway through, I started thinking, okay, yeah, the burnout slacker kid, he's going to be the one that's got the superpowers. <laughs> and of course, that's what turned out to happen. <laughs> so. yeah, me and my family had a big a spirited debate about it because they were like, well, the, the Jonathan, Jonathan is the jock. So he's mm-hmm. a Jonathan has to have powers because he broke that rope when he threw the uh, at the tire swing earlier in the episode when he was a little kid during that first mm-hmm. like four minutes or whatever. I said no, they did that to kind of like subvert your expectations there. And so that was the whole point, you know. What is it? Jordan calls him Superboy at some point during that, 
that episode. I think it was the first episode where he calls him Superboy mm-hmm. in passing. And I said, they did all that, not because it was a hint that he's got superpowers. It's it, They did it to make you think he had superpowers so they could swerve you at the end there when uh, Jordan flips out and uses heat vision. Yeah. Not, not that he intended to, but his heat vision manifested. So right. I, I thought it was a nice touch. Yeah. And, and Jor-El did say in the second episode that it's probably the human DNA that there, there's probably a me- a limit on how powerful he can get. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. So, so first of all, you you've already tricked us into thinking, okay, the the jock has to be the one that has powers. The other kid's not going to have them. Then you're like, well, the other kid's got them, and now it's like uh, Hologramps is saying, yeah, but he's probably not going to end up being like you, Clark. So, or Cal. Kalil. So it's kind of interesting. See, I'm 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 not placing any bets on where this ends up by the time this is all over with. Let's put it that way. I, yeah. I think they're going to keep us guessing. Right, right. We're only in the second episode. They already know they got a second season, so they can drag this out. I shouldn't say drag it out, but they can they can play the long game with this and plant some seeds now that may not be harvested until next season. I, I like it when shows do that. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And it, it makes me wonder, talking about going forward, I wonder what it's going to look like. I'm curious, because we were talking about, me and the family were talking about the costume, and it's kind of a nice, it's almost like a cross between the Man of Steel, Cavill uh, costume, but the way it fits gives you more of kind of a Christopher Reeve original Superman movie look. And I like 90% like the costume or something, but there's something about it in certain shots, doesn't look quite right, but... What it made me wonder has really nothing to do with that. More like, I'm wondering what the villains are going to look like as we start to get to see Superman villains. Yeah, yeah, because Superman is no slouch when it comes to the rogues gallery. Absolutely. Regarding the suit, I actually liked the suit he had during the Crisis Infinite Earths because that was kind of like that New 52 get up where yes. the, the, the cape kind of went into the S, like it was all one thing, like he, maybe he claps the S down over his chest and that's got the... Yes. The, the cape attack. I, I always liked that look. Well, and while we're talking about looks, the uh, evil Superman that Luthor was telling us about had a really cool looking costume too at the end of the episode, I thought. Yeah, that, that, that black outfit. Now, I think the black outfit looks cool, but of course, black and gray or black and silver, that's just not Superman. And usually, if I recall correctly, in the 90s, during the death of Superman thing, that, that suit was like a healing suit. It helped him recover from yeah. injuries more quickly. I think you said the exact right word. I guess the term they use for that is the recovery suit, which mm-hmm. I did not hear until like, I think 2021, but yeah, the, the black and silver when he returned from his, uh, double KO with a uh, doomsday where they were both presumed dead. And of course, well, it turns out neither one of them was actually dead. He wore that night. Apparently they call that the recovery suit. I don't remember it being called that as a kid, but or as a teenager, I shouldn't try to make myself sound younger than I am. Uh, but Apparently that's what it's called. So, and that was around the time Superman had that '90s like Cal Petty mullet look, right? Yeah, which is one of one of my great shames is that at one point I thought that was really cool. <laughs> when they did, it's like, oh, Superman's got long hair. That's pretty neat. And now I look at it and go, that is an all time bad look. Funny thing, I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent here. Maybe, maybe it's just where I grew up, but I didn't hear the term mullet until the 2000s. Back really? in back in my day, we just called it long hair. <laughs> so. Right. Well, I think there's something to be said for that because, like, in fourth or fifth grade, I had some of the longest hair in the class, uh, boy or girl. And, like, you're right. Like, it just, oh, I have long hair. But, like, it was definitely 
it wasn't true long hair like I have now, which where it's all one length, you know, or cut to mm-hmm. one length. It was definitely a business in the front and party in the back. So, yeah. yeah, you're right about that. Like, I think for people our age, we just referred to it as long hair for at least a long time before we realized that was a certain kind of uh, cut. Right, right. Not a terribly flattering one. I, I would love for somebody to make a artist conception of Superman where it, it, he, he's got Cavill's mustache, but yet still has the mullet. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. He would actually look quite a bit like my dad. My dad had a glorious mullet. He's had long hair several times in my life, but all but this last time, which was like several years ago, like back in like 04, 05, 06, or 07 or something like that, it was always a mullet, really. One time he kind of grew it all out one length. Yeah. Now, regarding future episodes, are there any villains you want to see? Because I'm assuming... Like I said, this this Luther's probably going to turn out to be a good guy. I would love to see Brainiac in some capacity. Another Superman villain that I mean, Darkseid's a natural, but Darkseid's going to be in the Justice League movies, so I'm not sure right. how well they could bring him to TV as well. But I I also would like to see Metallo done in in some capacity as well. Yeah, Metallo, and I really like the idea of Brainiac and the fact that they seem to be going. So it's kind of crazy because you've got this show that's in part about Superman and his, you know, quiet life in Smallville with his wife and kids. But this the show already looks like it's going pretty big in scale because, like, I never expected by the end of the second episode we'd always already have introduced like another Superman from another Earth and the multiverse. I know the multiverse is a known thing there already in the Arrowverse. I get that because I I watched a lot of the Superman-related clips because I wanted to see, like, all the different Supermans and, like, Tom Welling from Smallville's, Mm -hmm. you know, cameo and all that. But it kind of surprised me how quickly we've gotten there. So I think in in that regard, especially since, like you said, Darkseid might not be something they're willing to do, I think Brainiac would be kind of the most interesting one they could bring in. And uh, I do want some villains that Superman can punch as well. That's always fun. I mentioned to the kids the other day, I said, it'd be funny if they, and I'm going to butcher his name, but I would like to see an, a brief appearance from Mr. Mixelplick, just kind of as a funny little aside for him to deal with, and maybe a nuisance who shows up occasionally, which is exactly what that character is supposed to be. Right. Yeah. He, he is the epitome of what I would call like true neutral in that he's not evil. He just likes to mess with stuff. Right, and, he, and he, he just he wants he wants to goof around. He wants to be irritating. And while we were talking, it just came to me. I would definitely like to see Hecklin, or if they bring in a different guy to be a Bizarro Superman at some point. Yeah. I do love Bizarro. Yeah, I think the best way to do that would be to have Hecklin do do double duty. Yeah, I agree. So yeah. I'm a big Bizarro fan. I I passed on a Bizarro figure at Walgreens that I wanted one time, and I'm still bummed about it. But I can only buy so many toys. So. I've only got so much room and so much money, but passing on the Bizarro figure was a very painful process for me. And I'm also wondering if we are going to get this Earth's Lex Luthor, because I I kind of find it a little hard to believe that Superman would have been on this Earth for 15, 20 years without Lex Luthor showing up. It's very strange, and not to get off on a complete tangent, I'd be curious how they do it, because... Honestly, this uh, is his name, Morgan Edge character. Yes. Yeah, I was going to get to him in a minute. Yeah, I'm not familiar with, but I saw something that you said that may insinuates he's a known character in the Arrowverse already. But he kind of is playing the character I would have thought a Lex Luthor might have played. And the tangent part was kind of how Lex Luthor is portrayed in the Reeve movies, where it's kind of like 
we think of him as like some sort of well-known businessman, kind of like Tony Stark was before he became Iron Man. Sorry to talk about the MCU here, but <laughs> you think of him as, but like in those movies, he's kind of portrayed just as a guy who claims he's some sort of brilliant genius, but like, I, I don't, I don't get the sense that he's actually well-known or anything. He's just kind of a guy. He's as much as anything. He seems like a scamster. You know? Right. But, uh, right. Yeah. He's not on the level of Lex Luthor, but he is a money guy and a bit of a mogul. There was a storyline uh, a couple decades back about Morgan Edge buying the Daily Planet. Uh, so that may be what's inspired. Now, this is what happened in the comics. I don't know if it's what's going to happen in the TV show. So if anybody listening is deathly afraid of spoilers, you might want to skip ahead a few minutes here. But the evil, quote unquote, Morgan Edge turned out to be like a clone of, uh, of some sort. And the real Morgan Edge actually was a decent guy, which they may be hinting at because who is it? Lana's husband thinks the world of Morgan Edge and Lois thinks he's, he's scum. Well, if there's two Morgan Edges, one good and one evil, well, that would kind of explain it then, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. And I, I think that whole subplot is kind of interesting because like, it encapsulates a lot of what this country is dealing with right now, but also has dealt with since its inception and before, really. And of course, we all know... And I am not going to mention any politicians, so I'm not going down that road. But we all know, like, if I if I start naming, let's just say people, like, it can be wrestlers. We start talking about wrestlers, and I say this name, and your reaction is going to be negative. Mine's going to be positive. And then you name a wrestler, and I think he's the worst thing that's ever stepped foot in the ring, and you think he's great. It's kind of like you've got that aspect of it going, too. Right. But I think, it's, I think they're building a compelling subplot there because – the the firefighter uh, Lana's husband he's not wrong there's there's merit to his argument right but Lois isn't wrong either so it's like you got to figure out what's really going on and how much you can trust this guy and I think that's going to be an interesting uh, story going forward and just for the record Morgan Edge did turn up in Supergirl for a few episodes and he was played by Adrian Pazdar who yes. uh, was also in the Age of Shield as uh, Colonel Talbot. So he, uh, he kind of joined the ranks of the people that had ongoing roles in both Marvel and DC for a while. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, another thing is this whole thing with Lois looking into these loans and all that. It reminds me, I think, was if I'm not mistaken, and maybe I should have read up on this before I mentioned on this podcast and embarrass myself. I think the initial idea of Superman, part of it was he was a guy fighting for the everyman against like evil corporations and things like that back in the 30s or whenever exactly he debuted. So it's kind of an interesting thing that they're kind of going to that well. And I wonder if there's, if that's intentional or not, but uh, I think that was kind of like his original incarnation was tech being like a, a, a hero for the everyman who's getting bullied by the, uh, the financial establishment as it were. Yeah. If, if memory serves, I can't remember if it was Siegel or Schuster, but the concept of Superman just kind of came from the childhood dream of, well, what if I had superpowers? What, what if I could just be able to jump over buildings and stuff like that? And that's kind of where Superman came up. So, yeah, I, I, can, I can see where you're coming from, that just this person that can do things that a normal human can't, so, of course, he uses them for good. Right, absolutely. And, of course, the people who maybe take him and think about it, like, I don't know, I was an adult before I really thought about it, but, like, Superman's story is pretty much it's like his origin is moses and his way of being is jesus right that's kind of like some of the inspiration has come from there you mm-hmm. know so what's he's like he's a moses jesus hybrid and i say that with no disrespect of course but 
It is kind of, it's interesting, which makes kind of the fr- makes it frustrating when people have gotten so hung up on this idea of like let's make Superman just a, being so afraid to try to write a character who is just noble and aspirational. Right. This, they're afraid to do that. They want to tell the story about how he's got problems and demons or things like it's like that's not what he's about. Right. Right. Superman, no matter how dark things are, he's kind of still that beacon of light and. In a way, no matter how bad things are, he's the type of character that will pat the child on the on the shoulder and say everything's going to be okay. That's right. He hand like in the first four minutes of this series when he hands the kid his hat before he says thanks. My mom made it, and he f- takes off. He makes sure he hands the kid his hat and all that. I think that's something that like I'm a big fan of the Justice League movie, you know, which I'm in a vast minority on that so far as I can tell. I enjoyed it. Yeah. We, I didn't go see it immediately because I was a little bummed out after Batman vs. Superman. So we didn't see it immediately. By the time we saw it, we got a theater basically to ourselves. We had two rows, and I will say every person that was there, including our dear friend Norco, we all left there and thought, that was a really fun little movie. Like, And it, this was a mix of people who, like me and Norco, who are like really into this stuff, and my parents and whatnot who are like just kind of casual about it or whatever. My, I think my brother-in-law and sister were there, and like everybody in that that was with us said, I enjoyed that, and then flat out said, I don't know why people didn't like that type thing. So I've heard the criticisms. I get the criticism. I understand them, but there were people who just don't look at things that lens, and I just had a good time for a couple hours in that theater. But the point being, I thought Cavill's, a presentation of kind of a fully realized Superman in that movie was pretty good. Once you get past the pet cemetery. Yeah. And, and, and I still say, I, I think Cavill's got one genuinely good Superman movie in him. It's probably going to take the right director. Now I don't mind Zack Snyder as a director. I know we're kind of getting away from the TV show a little bit there, but we'll, we'll get back on track in a moment. It's like, I, I thought he he's good for justice league. I think he's good for Batman, but as a Superman standalone, I didn't like it as much because in Batman versus Superman, he was a little too brooding and he was a little too angry. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And that, and that's the thing. And that's why I thought like, there's a, there's a scene in the, the, I think it was the first trailer for the Snyder cut or whatever the official name of that justice league is now that's going to uh, HBO max. And I, we watched a trailer a couple times. We usually watch a trailer twice when we see it with a family. And I said, I said, what part do you think I like the most there? And I don't think anybody guessed it. I said, I like the scene where Clark is in the field. He's hugging uh, Ma, Kent, and Lois. It's like, because I was like, that's what Superman's all about. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. and so to, since I got us off track, I'll get us back on track. I think I see that with Heckler. Now, of course, unfortunately, this character's already lost. So, lost both his parents. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I was kind of surprised they went there so quickly, but. He's the kind of Superman who would wrap his arms around somebody and show that genuine kind of love. So I, I appreciate that. And that's one of the things I like about it. Now, I guess we'll start winding up with this. Are there any stories that you remember from the comic that you'd like to see acted out in, in the series? So when I think of Superman stories, neither one of them are ne- – well, one of them is a, basically a standalone, but one of them is a Justice League thing. So there was Grant Morrison, right? He didn't he, when he they did the big relaunch of the JLA. Yeah, I collected that for like a couple of years. But that first story where they dealt with the White Martians was really cool. And there, if you've read it, the scene where it's like, and, and this show's probably not the right place to adapt this, but I just it's a really cool Superman moment where he's being poisoned by the kryptonite, and then he hears people crying out in anguish, and that dawns on him that 
if I can hear these people, then maybe I'm not actually sick. And come to find out they were using basically uh, subliminal messages or something like that, mind control, to make him think that he was in the presence of kryptonite and that he was weak. And so there's a moment where the villain says, kind of has a horrified look on his face and says he knows before he breaks out of the uh, shackles and lays waste to him. Like, that's a moment, like, if we could do something like that, maybe. Probably not the exact same way, but maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. But also, like, and I don't necessarily think that this show would go this route with the death of Superman, but a story similar to what you had where you've got Doomsday rampaging towards Metropolis, and Superman realizes that he may not be able to stop this thing, but he's got no choice but to do so. The old the John Wayne, I think it was from a John Wayne movie, maybe. Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyways. I've butchered that quote, but it's something like that. Yeah. I, I'd kind of like to see that moment where Superman is not necessarily confident that he's going to come out of this unscathed, but what he's going to do it because it's the right thing to do. And, that, and he's basically promised to protect these folks type thing. And I think in the Superman Lois world where he's got so much more to lose with those two boys and everything, I think it would be a really compelling thing um, yeah well well my favorite superman story i was actually i think it was alan moore that that wrote it but it was the story for the man who has everything and they actually adapted it to an episode of justice league unlimited where it was mongol essentially breaks into the fortress of solitude and puts the, the mercy plant on superman so or the black mercy which like makes you hallucinate like what you want the most so Superman now sees himself living on Krypton with Lois and everything's fine and all that. And the whole story is he has to build up the will to break free of this. So in order to break free, he essentially has to see Krypton die again. Right. And and if when he finally comes to the real world and, and Mongols kind of kind of laughing at him, and Eric Roberts is the voice of Mongol in the animated version, and Superman just looks at Mongol and just says, burn and let's go full blast with his eye beams and it's like you have that lawful good goody two shoes you got you got him to that point where he just looks at the guy and says burn <laughs> yeah it's perfect and i think was it prometheus that stole the justice league's uh, batman's secret file or whatever yes yes and then superman destroyed the uh, tower or whatever tower of babel on, yeah yeah on his own that was pretty cool and then i thought of one story that you could easily work into this show there was one, I want to say it maybe came after September 11th or something, and it was where basically Superman needed to go speak, see somebody. He needed to talk to somebody, you know, was having issues with struggling a little bit with his, again, his responsibility and whatnot. And there was a scene there where he's talking to this person, this professional, and he uh, jumps out the window and jumps back in, and it was like he had gone to get a cat out of a tree because he heard a little girl crying type thing. And, and the person looks at him and says, someone else could have handled that. And it just, it was a nice moment for just to kind of illustrate the, the strain he's under to do, to do good with these powers that he's been, you know, gifted by his alien birth. So, and the fact that, again, it, another illustration of how so many of us would be tempted to use those powers in a self-serving way, but he used them in a completely selfless way. Yeah. One other story. Now, I don't know how well this could be weaved in because it would, involve introducing the Green Lantern Corps. So it would be one of those things that I'd probably have to build up over a year to build to a, another crossover. But when the Green Lantern stuff was at its height, I think Jeff Johns was writing that too as well, and he's got a hand in all the the TV stuff. But they, they brought in all the other colors of the Green Lanterns, and, and each color matching up with 
a certain emotion, green being willpower, yellow being fear, orange being greed, red being anger. I think blue was uh, hope. And then I think the pink one was was love. And so, of course, you'd, you'd have all these characters that would adapt well with certain uh, colors. And, and then there were the white lanterns who I think could see people in whatever color matched them. So, of course, they would see Hal in, in green, whether he had a whether he had a ring or not, and uh, Lex Luthor was was orange and all that. Superman shows up and he's the entire rainbow, all in one. Yeah, because he. I remember that story. I remember that panel. I don't know if I even read that story, but I remember that panel, and it was such a cool illustration because in that moment too, he was angry. Mm-hmm. At whatever it was, he had to was having to do a righteous anger, but an anger nonetheless. And I, I have dug that kind of like that quote that we that I dropped earlier that you and I both mentioned like I've had to dig that picture up several times and off the internet but I've also looked I've also gone and got that that exact frame you're talking about because I do love that little moment a lot so I'm totally with you on that one it's a very cool thing yeah all right well I guess we'll we'll wind it up here unless there's something else you wanted to mention but I think at least these two episodes I I'd say I'd probably give them a solid eight eight and a half if we were scored out of ten that sound oh, right yeah. to you or well, I don't. If you've ever seen my wrestling writing, I don't do number things like that. But I will say, I'm pretty much like I've pretty much got three settings: either I like something, I hate something, or I'm pretty much indifferent. So I will give this a fired up. So I am very fired up about it. So yeah, eight and a half or ten, eight eight and a half out of ten, or eight or nine, or you know nine and a half even. Like so far, I'm 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 extremely into this show. So. It's become appointment television in our household, so yeah, I'm excited yeah. to have a Superman thing that I can watch every week. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good on it. So I, that, that number works for me. I might give it a four, four and a half out of five, something like that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm all about it. All right, this has been Geekville Radio. If you're listening to us for the first time, we can be found at geekvilleradio.com. The show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, the podcatcher of your choosing. Just do a search for Geekville Radio and let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we're not doing so well. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Twitter at Geekville Radio. You can also respond to any of the posts on the geekvilleradio.com page. And uh, if you like what you hear, definitely tell somebody. That's the best way you can help us out is to get the word out. And if you want to leave us a review on iTunes or Google or whatever, The only thing I ask is just be honest. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we can improve on. And David, if anybody wants to track you down on the social webs, where can they find you? Well, the main place is SouthAtlantaWrestling.com. It's a primarily a wrestling website, but we do a little bit of everything. I'll drink, I'll drink uh, drinks on there and do taste tests. I've got a buddy who does uh, card breaks and stuff of old baseball cards, and we cover all that. So we got a little bit of everything. It's kind of a Everything goes type place now, but uh, SouthAtlantaWrestling.com, and that'll give you all the links to where you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and all those things. So, uh, just glad to be on Geekville Radio and talking with my buddy Seth here. So, <laughs> yeah, hopefully we can do it again sometime soon. So, I'm going to turn Absolutely. out. I'm going to turn out the lights here in the Geekville Radio studio, and we'll talk to you folks again next time. Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any products or services unless specifically stated. 
The views expressed by the hosts and or guests do not reflect the views of GeekGoRadio.com, the Wrestling Brethren podcast, family, or any of their affiliates. Some media used in GeekGoRadio is the product of their respective copyright holders, all rights reserved.